Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Hello Emmaus Road family. My name is Daniel Grothy and I'm here in Colorado Springs, Colorado today. Sending my greetings, I work at New Life Church. I'm the Associate Senior Pastor of New Life Church. Been here 16 years and I just have got to say, Emmaus Road is one of my favorite churches on the planet. I, I love you. Revelation talks about, the book of Revelation talks about the seven churches that each have their own lampstand. And you have a unique lampstand. The light is shining bright from you. Uh, you've got a divine gravitas. And uh, I just want to say how much I love you. Uh, so much of that has to do with your world-class leaders. I think of Pete and Sammy. I think of Adam and Hannah. I think of Jill Weber. I think of Bill and Nikki and Peter and Andrea and James and Julia Thomas. So many folks. You just have an embarrassment of kingdom riches there that you're stewarding so well. So, so much love from Colorado Springs today. Here we are in the middle of the series uh, going through Lent, God Unmute. And we're looking through uh, Pastor Pete's book, God On Mute. And today what I wanna do is pray and then I'll read you the text of scripture and then we'll jump in. So if you'd quiet your hearts with me, calm your, your being down, throw your cell phone in the trash can. Let's just come into the presence of the Lord together and ask him to speak to us. Father, we pray that your word would be rich among us. We pray that you would move and that you would speak. Your word says that it's alive and active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. So as we come together today, we pray that your word would be alive and active with us. We pray that you would make us your holy people afresh. We pray that you would challenge us and change us and shape us and renew us today. So we say, come Holy Spirit and speak to your people. Amen. Today we're reading out of Psalm 22 which is a really famous psalm in the life of Israel. And it says this, Psalm 22, verses one and two. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And I cry out by night, but I find no rest. The psalmist is telling the truth about his situation. And I'll just say for all of us, what a year it's been. <laughs> uh, global lockdown, a pandemic, uh, the, the, the loneliness, the disequilibrium and the disruption and the fear and all the questions about the future. Many of you have been furloughed and, and, and a year ago, none of us were thinking about this. We, it's almost like we were sitting on top of a fault line uh, without us even knowing it. And then something deep, and subterranean, a tectonic shift happened, and it destabilized everything for all of us. Can we just name the year that we've been through? The psalmist says, my God, my God, why? Mike Tyson, the famous American heavyweight boxer, said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> all of us this year have gotten punched in the mouth, and we, we realized that our plans weren't so firm, they weren't so solid, they weren't so secure. The question that I want to ask today is what do you do when life shifts? What do you do when that tectonic eruption happens deep underneath the surface of your life and everything falls apart? 
There's a lot we could say. I, I would say, yes, get good exercise and go to sleep early and take care of yourself and keep in touch with friends. Steep yourselves in the scriptures and live a life of deep prayer. Those are all things that, that we could say, but I want to get a little more specific about that prayer element today. I want to put sort of a suggestive thesis in front of you today, which is this. It's time for the church to recover the holy practice of holy lament. It's time for the church to recover the practice of holy lament. The psalmist today has us praying, my God, my God, why? But that's because the ancient Israelites knew something about the human condition. They understood that the human need to give voice to our frailties and our feebleness. They, they, they created structures because of this understanding. They created structures and they wrote songs and they, they put together weekly liturgies that would keep us coming back to telling the truth about our lives, about our nations, about the situation we find ourselves in. The ancient Hebrews understood what the human being needed. Think about this, two-thirds of the Psalms. We got 150 psalms in the book. Two-thirds of them have at least an element of lament threaded through each psalm. Two-thirds of the psalms have lament. Think about, there's an entire book in the Hebrew Bible called Lamentations. I mean, this would not have been a bestseller sold in airports all over Palestine in the day, airport bookstores. A book called Lamentations, but they understood that we needed to tell the truth. Think about Job crying out at the beginning of the book, why did I not perish on the day of my birth? <laughs> he was telling the truth about how he felt in a time when life had fallen apart. Jeremiah, he said, why is my pain continuous and why is my wound incurable? God is not frail, God is not fragile, God is not afraid of our truth. Habakkuk said, my legs tremble beneath me, I'm ready to fall apart, my life is collapsing. And Jacob, think about this, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, one of the forefathers of our faith, Jacob goes out into the wilderness, into one of these stretches of, of desolation and in the presence of the Lord, and he wrestles the angel of the Lord. He's wrestling with God that night, and his name gets changed to Israel, which means he wrestles, which is to suggest that to be Yahweh's is to be in an ongoing struggle, <laughs> to go back and forth with God. God invites us to the wrestle with him. Mark 16, Jesus is praying and he's in the garden. Mark 14, 36, Jesus himself laments to the Father and he says, Abba, Father, would you please take this cup from me? And famously on, on the night Jesus is hanging on that old rugged Roman cross, Jesus is suffocating to death. This is what the Romans did. They hung you, not to, not to kill you quickly, but so that you could just slowly lose your breath. And Jesus stretches his arms out and pulls himself up. And with a last, last gasp of breath, he prays Psalm 22, 1. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why? Jesus is not afraid of us telling the truth either. Growing up, I, I never heard anyone preach on the necessity of recovering the practice of holy lament. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma in a good charismatic word of faith uh, tradition and love my upbringing. I just didn't ever hear people talk about lament. Uh, we, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18:22 was one of our billboard uh, scriptures. And those who love it will eat the fruit, which meant sometimes when life was falling apart, 
You had to fake it till you make it. Positive confession. Speak life. Ste- step into a situation and, and just sort of, even if it's hard, you just, you just fake it till you make it. And I know, I know we were well-meaning, but as I grew older and I started hearing people preach on recovering the practice of holy lament, I'll just tell you, it was hard for me. It felt really bad. It, it felt improper. It, it, it felt like I was betraying God by bringing my most difficult emotions into his presence. It felt like I was whining when I would tell my Christian brothers and sisters that life was indeed falling apart. But here we are, we look at the scriptures, and it's everywhere throughout. Lament and telling God the truth. And then uh, as I became a young pastor here at New Life 16 years ago, I started falling in love with this congregation. I would walk with people and I would rejoice with those that rejoice, but then that also meant I would go into their living rooms and hear their stories and end up weeping with those who were weeping. I remember Bethany Palmer, a young mother of two little boys, two and four, Cole and Cade Palmer, and her husband, Scott, who's an elder at our church, dear friends, and she discovered that she was in a late stage of breast cancer, and they, it just looked like she was, we were gonna lose her, and day in and day out, they were struggling and fighting, and chemotherapy, and God, please, would you heal us? And we, I remember just gathering with them and, and wailing in prayer, my God, my God, why? I remember my first funeral at New Life Church, I had always envisioned my first funeral as a pastor. I'd get to bury that 95-year-old church great-grandmother, you know, who'd lived a life of faith, and she'd, uh, you know, honored her family and honored God, and everyone gathers around to celebrate a life well-lived. My first funeral came when I got a call on a Saturday morning from a young family here in the church. Their seven-month-old boy, Little Billy, had died in his sleep. I remember coming up to the church and we just wailed. We were in the hospital room and they're holding his body and we're just crying out to the Lord, my God, my God, why? Sometimes the only thing you can do is weep and wail and, and cry out to the Lord. I remember uh, you know, sitting with people who were trapped in mental health struggles and they, they couldn't get out of bed in the morning and dark clouds of anxiety had huddled over them and they, they couldn't see any hope for the future and we would just gather together and I wouldn't coach them up and try to spin it positively. We would just hold hands and we would pray these Psalms of lament. How long, oh Lord, my God, my God, why? I remember being just down the road from you in Surrey a handful of years ago and, and getting taken to this small house where 12 Middle Eastern missionaries were gathered there and they had come to faith in Jesus Christ and they were disinherited from their families back home and, and they were run out of town. Many of them had their, the, the few assets that they had frozen and, and here they are now in this house in Surrey and they're, they're being trained to go back home to be missionaries of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I sat around a table with 12 of them and they told me their stories and we sobbed. They're talking through a translator. And we held each other. I don't know these people, but because we share the blood of Jesus together, we're family. And there we were. And we all we could do was enter into the groan of Jesus on the cross, praying Psalm 22. My God, my God, why? I want to suggest that too many Christians are practicing a false politeness in the presence of God. We think we have to come into God's presence and be happy, happy, joy, joy, and just just tell all the good stories. It's a faux piety. It's a faith that's too precious. And what we see in the scriptures is that very often the invitation is to get into the ring with God for a fight, to wrestle, to pray, to shout, to speak truthfully to God. And I'll just say it this way, to, to lament is not to be faithless. That's what I used to think. 
I used to think when I would lament, when I would tell the truth that I was sort of acting faithlessly. To lament is not to be faithless, to, to lament is to be faithful. It's to be full of faith, it's to believe that God is good. It's to believe that God cares. It's to believe that God wants to hear from us. It's to believe that God is our Father and, and if we are His children and we're carrying these burdens, then certainly He wants to hear from us. To lament is to be faithful. So what happens when we practice holy lament? I wanna to suggest to you that when we do, we end up getting our voices back. We get our souls back. We get our emotional range back. We're present to ourselves and we're present to God and we're present to others in a fresh way. But what happens when we don't name the losses, when we don't practice holy lament? I wanna suggest that when we don't, it's going to end up coming out elsewhere. It seeps, it leaks from us, it spills out in other directions. We've just seen this in our nation here recently in the last few weeks, when people stormed our nation's capital with rage and with anger. Uh, you know, rage is sort of the perverse offspring of grief that's been suppressed for too long. We saw that in our nation, people raging. It's because they hadn't processed their pain. Suppression leads to aggression somewhere else. So what happens when we stuff it, when we don't name it? Suppression leads to aggression. In centuries past, if you were living in the Middle East or in Asia, a marauding army might come storm into your town. And when they would storm into the town, the first order of business is they would send a battalion to go find all the wells, all of the water wells in town. And, and certain fronts of the army, they were waging a battle, but there were battalions that found all the wells and they clogged the wells. They would throw trash in, they would throw dirt in, they would stack anything inside that well to be able to cut it off because they knew if they could cut off the water, they could cut off life to the entire region. I think it's the same way with our souls. The enemy comes to clog the well, to stuff all the trash and all the, let that pain accrue and back up in us. And as it does, we begin to lose life. We begin to lose joy. We begin to lose the full range of our humanity. And lament, I wanna suggest to you, is the act of unstopping the well. Telling the truth is something that the Spirit enters into that process and, and cleanses us and heals us. And so I wanna challenge you today, my Emmaus Road family, I wanna challenge you today in these next few weeks as we're heading toward Easter Sunday. We're aching for Easter. We're longing for resurrection life to be released. We, we can't wait to hear the good news, He is risen and shout, He is risen indeed. But I wanna challenge you in these weeks leading up to Easter Sunday. I wanna challenge you to tell the truth. I want you to feel permission to say it and to say it to the strength that you feel it. God will present you with an opportunity in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure of it. And I want you to take that opportunity. Maybe you'll be with a friend who's a believer and you wanna process the last year of this pandemic and all that's been lost and all that's been unsettled because of it. I wanna encourage you and challenge you to take that opportunity to name how it is you're feeling and to pray with your friend. Maybe it'll be writing about your anguish or writing about your big questions or writing about your anxieties and fears. Write that out and then take it into the presence of the Lord and pray it. Give it to God in prayer. I just did this recently with my wife, Lisa. The last year has been quite a year for us as well. And one day I woke up and I just knew that today was the day to write about it. 
So I took a couple hours and I wrote it out and I brought it into Lisa. She was in the kitchen and I put my laptop down on the kitchen counter and she said, what's this? And she sat down and she read it and tears filled her eyes and tears filled my eyes. And that night as we were going to bed, I said to Lisa, something changed in me. Something came back to life in me. I, I was available again to myself and to my family and to God in a fresh way. So take the challenge. And in the next couple weeks, as we're approaching Easter Sunday, tell the truth, give it to the Lord, name your grievances in the presence of God, join Jesus. He, God is not fragile. God is not afraid. He wants to hear from you. And Jesus is inviting you and me into praying Psalm 22 with him. My God, my God, why? So today, I want you to remember that the world needs a church that has gotten its voice back. The world needs a church. The world needs Emmaus Road. People filled with vitality again. People who are retrieving their souls as they bear it all in the presence of the Lord, as they tell God the truth. I wanna invite you to remember that the world needs a church that has gotten its voice back. So today I wanna to pray blessing over you and I wanna pray that in these next couple of weeks leading up to Easter, that the Spirit of God would take you into a season of, of proactively naming all of the pain that you're carrying. Right now, would you quiet your hearts? You're probably in your homes. Some of you would be in dorm rooms or uh, an apartment, wherever it is that you are. Would you quiet your hearts and, and, and submit yourself to the Spirit today? And I pray, Holy Spirit, move among your people. Give your people permission to pray Psalm 22, verse 1 today. I pray that people would feel directed by you into this fresh season of giving over their grief and giving over their pain. And for those who have been overwhelmed by this last year, I pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to fill them. I pray that they would feel the wind of the Spirit beginning to shift to their back and pushing them forward. Lord, let them find a new season that they're entering into. Let the page turn. Let a new chapter be written. I pray, Lord, for those who are weary, for those who are worried. I pray that the great peace be still of Jesus would rest on them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them their voices back as they come into the presence of God to name their pain. So I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you, Emmaus, and all of your people. And may God grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. I love you and I bless you and I look forward to seeing you soon.